Well, hey, welcome to OSC. As you can tell, we got a brand new set. And uh, I'm kind of excited because I'm not sitting down anymore. I get to, get to kind of move a little bit. And uh, man, just so excited to be with you today. I, I, I know now when David said it, that it felt good for him to be in the house of the Lord. It was good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, even though there's nobody here other than our production team, I just want you to know, man, it just feels good to be here on this stage preaching to you, wanting you to know that God is with you, God is for you, our best days are still ahead, and God is using this in supernatural ways. Thanks again so much for joining us. Today is Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday. All this week is what's called the Passion Week as we lead up to Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. And man, this is like the Super Bowl of church time. This is when we love being together, and I know it's unfortunate that we can't be together um, physically, but I'm just so glad for technology that we can still be together. And so I want to let you know, on Good Friday, coming up this Friday, we are going to do a Good Friday service at 7.14 p.m., just like we've been doing with the Unite 714s. If you haven't been jumping online every night at 714 for our Unite time of prayer, man, jump on with us. It has been a powerful, powerful week. God has done some incredible things. He's continually doing, encouraging us, keeping us strong. But Good Friday, we're gonna come on at 714, and to make it extra special, we're gonna take communion together. And so I wanna encourage you, just this week, you can go ahead and get those items, get you know bread or crackers or whatever you want, and let's take communion together. We'll walk you through that whole process and just really talk to you about what God, why he calls us to take communion and what does the cross mean for you and I. So we're gonna do that on Good Friday. We'd love for you to join us with that. And then of course, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. We're going to celebrate together. And so it's going to be a great weekend and a great opportunity for you to invite family and friends to jump on. Listen, I know, I, I, I wish we could be together. I know all of our pastors feel the same. But can I tell you something? We've had more people be a part of our church in the last three weeks than we ever have in the history of our church. Just last weekend alone, we had over 5,000 people watch and be a part of our service. Just this past uh, a couple of days ago, when we did our time of prayer, we had over 4,000 people go through this time of prayer and worship when we had our live worship service. Thousands of people are being impacted right now. And who even knows right now, as, as we're sharing this and distributing this service online, how many other thousands right now are watching? So thanks for watching. Make sure to share. But today for Palm Sunday, I want to talk to you about the story of when Jesus came in on a donkey. Now, I need you to understand, the gospel is 89 chapters, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 89 chapters. Of the 89 chapters, 29 chapters deal with Passion Week. So almost one-third of the Gospels is dedicated to the seven days leading up to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So there's a lot of, 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 of Bible that is dedicated to this incredible moment in Jesus' life. Palm Sunday, of course, is the, is the moment where Jesus triumphantly enters into Jerusalem. We catch up in Luke chapter 19. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 19. This is what it says. Jesus went on towards Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. And as he came to the town of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. And as you enter it, 
you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here, and if anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. How crazy that is. We don't know who the two disciples are, but Jesus sends two disciples into a town. He says, hey, you're going to come to a house. There's going to be a donkey there. Just untie it. Bring it back to me. Now, I want you to just imagine what that would be like for a moment. Like if someone was to come up into your garage, hotwire your car, be backing it out, and you, you step out and go, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Who's, who's taking, my, taking my ride? And, and, and their response was, just tell them, the Lord needs it. And so they do that exact thing. They go, they find a donkey, they go to untie it. Look what it says. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owner asked, "Um, hey, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. And I love that in that moment, they said, the Lord needs it. You know, I love borrowing things. I don't know if you like borrowing things. I like, I like borrowing things. It, it saves me money, saves me time a lot of time. I've borrowed trailers, borrowed trucks. I've, I've borrowed tools. Uh, I, I think that if I borrow it, that if I just keep it long enough, eventually they'll just gift it to me. Come on, anybody? I'm just kidding. I, I, don't, I don't do that. But if you look all throughout the Gospels, Jesus loved borrowing things too. You notice that Jesus borrowed Peter's boat and he preached from it. Jesus borrowed a little boy's kind of little lunchable and fed 5,000 people with it. Jesus even borrowed a tomb for three days and rose from it. Come on, Jesus loved borrowing things. And really on the other side of him asking those people, those people had to say yes. And I think that's even what Jesus does with us, that everything that we have really is not ours. If we understand we're stewards of it, and when Jesus asks for it, all our response is yes. Yes. And here's the cool thing. You get to be a part of the miracle when you say yes. Now watch what the rest of this verse says. It says, verse 35, so they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. Now, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem on a donkey, and it is wild and crazy. I mean, it is a party. Any of y'all ever been to an LSU Tigers football game? Now, if you know, if you've ever been to one, you make sure that you show up early. Why? Because you want to be there for when the Tigers come marching down Victory Hill with the band in the lead, with the Dun, 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 dun. I mean, it just gives you goosebumps. Dun, 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 dun. Do, 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 do. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? If you've ever been there, it's amazing. Who's been there? It's amazing. Everybody's high-fiving each other, clapping, cheering. I, I, my imagination goes into that this is a lot of what it's like with Jesus. Jesus is entering into the scene He's on a donkey. People are cutting down palm leaves, putting it in front of them, cheering, shouting. The Bible even says that some of them are taking their, their robes off and putting it down. And Jesus is getting this massive, massive party. Kind of like, if you've ever seen Aladdin? Anybody seen the latest Aladdin? And Aladdin comes in on the, on the big elephant. Prince Ali, right out of them. I don't know the words. You know, but that's, that's what I'm thinking that it's like. And here he is. He enters into this scene. And they're, they're saying things like, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They are thinking that in this moment, 
Our king has arrived. I, can you imagine his disciples in this moment? They're kind of walking in with some kind of some swag. I mean, here, here's our king. We told y'all, man, we told you. He's the son of God. He's the son of God. And he's walking into all this celebration because the Jewish people are thinking in this moment, our king has finally arrived. He's going to He's going to uh, help us with the Roman oppression. He's going to now be the king. He's going to take his rightful place. But here's what they have failed to realize. The change that you think you need might not be the change that you want. The change that you think you need might not be the change that you want. Because Jesus wasn't coming to free them just from Roman oppression. He was actually coming to free them from something that was greater than that oppression. Sin, of course. Jesus came to die. That's what he came for. He came to give his life on a cross, eventually to free them, not just from Roman oppression, but to free them from internal oppression. And so here we are in this moment, and Jesus comes in. Now, over the next seven days of this Passion Week, Jesus has multiple encounters, and he's teaching his disciples, and he's kind of having these last-minute conversations with these guys of just, hey, this is my final time. And so he's trying to teach them things. We, we see this in the Lord's Supper. In one moment in John chapter 14, Jesus tells them this. He's speaking to his disciples and he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the light. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, we live in a society where there's, everybody says there's multiple ways to God. Well, Jesus is saying, no, 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 there's, there's only one way, not a way. It is the way, the truth, and the life. And many of us understand God as the truth. We understand that Jesus is the truth. He was full of grace and truth. We understand that Jesus is life, that God brings us life. But I don't know if a lot of people understand that Jesus is the way. So I'm titling today's message, Jesus is the way maker. He is the way maker. Um, and, and if you look at the story of the children of Israel, God was working. God was, uh, he was giving them a way out of Egypt. He was giving them a way through the desert. And he was giving them a way into the promised land. So I want to talk about that. God is a way out. God is a way through. And God is a way in. This is what Jesus is to us. And so let me start with the first one. Because Jesus is the way out, I have help. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in an escape room. If you or your friends or your family have ever participated in an escape room, it is a place that you go to and they usually have a bunch of different rooms and they get you and your family or friends and they'll put you in a room. My family, we do this every year for our vacation. We go when we find an escape room we've never done and they put you in a room and you have 60 seconds to try to escape out of the room. So the whole job is to, you, you've got to find clues and codes and combinations. And man, if you've ever been around the Belt family, we get pretty hype. We get pretty competitive. I mean, you can see the time, you know, you're kind of starting to sweat because you're trying to hurry up and get out of time in a certain way. And then you're trying to do combinations and codes and you're just trying to find a way to get out. And I think that's a lot of how our world feels even right now. Many of us are just trying to get out. Like, I, I just want to get out. Come on, any, any mamas in here right now, this is your chance to do a little heart emoji. Come on, any mamas want to get out? <laughs> it's, time, it's just time to get out. Get me out of here. I think some of your kids are saying that right now. Get me out of here. We're just trying to get out. What's the code? What's the combination? Can we hurry up and just get back to normal, please? 
And just as much, I think, as we have a fear of a virus that's on the outside, the truth is, is that the greatest virus is actually one that's on the inside. God is trying to get us out of really a virus that is internal more than external. And I want to show you in Romans chapter 7 by the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was one of the greatest men of God in all of Scripture. And yet he struggled internally. And, and so if you've got a struggle, if you've been navigating through this season and it's been this internal struggle, you're in good company today. And watch what he says in Romans 7. He says, For I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. The, belongings, uh, the longings to do what is right are within me. But willpower is not enough to accomplish it. This is what he's saying. I want to do what's right. I want to honor God. But, but I, I can't just tighten my bootstraps enough. I couldn't do enough. I mean, I can't accomplishment, accomplish it under my own strength. But my lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do the things I want to avoid. What an agonizing situation I am in. Do I got any Rocky fans? Come on. Yo, Adrian! Come on. Any, any Rocky fans? Give me, give me a little... Give me a little Rocky love if you, if you love Rocky. I absolutely love Rocky. See, listen, Rocky was all into CrossFit before CrossFit was ever cool. I mean, if you go watch when he fought the Russian, I mean, he was flipping tires and he was doing sit-ups and he was doing all of that crazy outdoor stuff way before CrossFit was ever there. And if you've ever watched Rocky, the latest Rockies, I mean, you can never kill Rocky. I mean, Rocky is a legend. And recently, now they've moved from Rocky movies to Creed movies, which is Rocky is now training. He's the, he's the Jedi. He is the master. He is teaching his, his young Creed, Creed, Apollo Creed's son, how to fight. And if you've seen Creed 1, there is a part in the, in the training where he's training Creed, and they're in the boxing ring, and they're doing all that stuff. They're in the gym. They're working out. And he brings them over to a mirror. And, and this is what he says. I, I made sure to write it down. He, he takes him to a mirror and he says, Creed, you see this guy here? That's the toughest opponent you're ever going to face. I believe that is true in the ring and I believe that it is true in life. And that is true. Your greatest enemy is not a virus on the outside. Your greatest enemy is a virus on the inside. The Apostle Paul was saying that. He said, man, that's the wrestle that I'm going through. And some of you are feeling that right now. As you've been quarantined, you've been stuck in home, maybe your, your resources have been limited, maybe things have been tightened, you feel that pressure, and you're noticing that things on the inside are starting to be revealed. Things on the inside are starting to show. And that's a good thing, though. God is revealing those things because he wants to help you get out of those. We love Jesus, and Jesus gives us help out. Watch actually what Apostle Paul says. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? Now watch. I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power has finally provided, everybody say this with me, provided a way out. He's provided a way out. Watch this. Through, watch through who? Through our Lord Jesus the anointed one. See, sin is way more destructive than a coronavirus will ever be. But I've got good news for you. Today, we have a cure. God has given us a way out. He's given us a way out of destruction. 
He is the way out. And some of you right now are wondering, man, how do I get out of darkness? How do I get out of anxiety? How do I get out of depression? How do I get out of my grief? How do I get out of my shame? How do I get out of this toxic relationship? Hey, ready? Good news. Jesus is your way out. He's the answer. Alcohol can't get you out. Drugs can't get you out. A vacation can't get you out. More money can't get you out. More things can't get you out. Nothing can bring the peace of God in your life like Jesus can. Jesus, because he is our way out, he is our help. Let me, let me show you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says it this way. He has delivered from us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. This was written by the Apostle Paul, the same one who wrote Romans chapter 7, in one of the most discouraging, disheartening seasons of his life. And he says, he has, he will, and he will continue. Can you just say that with me? Come on, everybody say it out loud. Look across your, if you're in your living room, there's other people in there. I want you to say it out loud. I want you, everybody say this. He has, he will, and he will continue. One more time. He has, he will, and he will continue. This is the promise that God gives us, that he has given us help, he will give us help, and he will continue to give us help when we need it. He is our way out. Number two. Because Jesus is our way through, I have hope. I have hope. Let me read up an incredible, encouraging passage of Scripture. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Now watch this. When you go through deep waters, I'm going to be with you. And when you go through difficulty... You will not drown. And when you go through the fires of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Now, just notice something. Notice he doesn't say, if you go through troubles, if you go through rivers, if you go through fire. He says, when. When you go through fire, when you go through rivers, when you go through deep waters, he's saying, I will be with you. Listen to me closely. You have never been alone. You will never be alone. Even though there are times you feel lonely, I just need you to know that you have a God who is walking with you through everything that you're going through right now. See, Jesus is the way maker not to give you what you want in every situation, but to give you hope in every situation. Come on, I'll say that again. Jesus is the way maker, not to give you everything that you want in every situation, but to give you hope in every situation. Listen, I don't wanna go through this. It's the last thing, man, I, I wanna be back in church. I wanna be with you. I wanna be able to go to a restaurant. Come on, can I get a witness from somebody? I wanna be able to go out. I wanna be with my friends. I wanna be with my family. I don't want any of that, but I am thankful that in this season, that even though I'm not getting what I want, God is giving me what I need because he is the way maker and he is my hope. Watch what Daniel chapter three is a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you know the story, King Nebuchadnezzar has decided to build a statue of himself and has decided that everybody 
that is under his rule will bow to this statue every day. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, nope, that is not happening. And so they take a stand when everybody else is bowing. And King Nebuchadnezzar does not like it by one bit. And so he grabs them and brings them in front of him and says, if you do not bow, I will throw you in the furnace. And this is what they say. Watch the response that they have to what he says to them. Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. They say this, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Ready? Here we go. But even if he does not, we want you to know that your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. He has, he is able, he will, but even if he doesn't, can, can we have that same confidence that in the God that we serve, come on, he, has he delivered you? Can he deliver you? But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't do the things that I want him to do, come on, I'm not bowing. I am standing stead firm in God's promises. I am standing up. And so the, the King Nebuchadnezzar said, man, I'm, I'm even more upset. He turns the fire up seven times, throws the guys into there. And as they're in the fire, he looks into the fire and King Nebuchadnezzar said, didn't we send three guys in there? Wait, why do I count four? That looks like the son of God. And sure enough, in that moment right there, Jesus is there in the moment, in the fire with them. And I just need you to hear me say this. When the fire is turned up, that's when God shows up. When the fire is turned up in your life, that is when God shows up. That is when he is most present. And some of you right now, you're in a season where the fire has been turned up. The pressure has been turned up. The pain has been turned up. But I need you to know, God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. God has never left you. He's never abandoned you. And, and it reminds me of a song. The song that was written actually um, by Hillsong called Another in the Fire is about this story right here. And what the lyrics of it say, there was another in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the fire holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there's a cross that bears the burden where another has died for me. See, sometimes God pulls you out of the fire, but sometimes God goes through the fire with you. And maybe you're in that season right now and you just need to hear God is with you. And I love how that story ends because they pulled them out of the fire. The Bible says that none of their clothes were burned. None of their clothes smelled like smoke. The only thing was that the ropes that were tying them had been burned off. Come on, that is my prayer in this season right now, that as we're going through the fire, that anything that has bound us would be burned off. Addictions would be burned off. Worry and anxiety would be burned off. Depression would be burned off. The things that have bound us for so long because of what we're going through right now. Materialism would be burned off. Our trust in the government would be burned off. Our trust in our finances and other things would be burned off. And we would trust and put our hope in the Lord. Psalms 23 verse 4, which is one of uh, the most um, well-known psalms in all of the Bible, 
Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want to read verse 4 to you, and I want to read it out of the Passion Translation. I love how it describes what Jesus does for us. It says, Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness. Notice, when He brings us into the place of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain, ready? Everybody say this. You remain what? Close to me. And you lead me through it all the way. You lead it, lead me through it all the way. Listen, Jesus is your way through the storm. Jesus is your way through the valley. Jesus is your way through the desert. Jesus is your way through the fire. Jesus is your way through the depression. My desire for us as a church during this whole COVID-19 situation is not just that Jesus will get us through it. I know he will but that we will experience God in it. If, if after this is all said and done, and we do get to return to some kind of normalcy, if you haven't changed, then this was a waste of time. God is wanting to do something in your heart and in my heart through this season. He's doing, he's changing things in our church. He's changing things in our nation. How I many know he wants to change things inside of us as well? God's gonna get us through us and that gives us hope. God's going to get us out. That gives us help. Let me give you the last one. Is that God, because Jesus is the way in, I have a home. Because Jesus is the way in, I have a home. Ephesians chapter 1, look at this. Verse 4 says this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us. Watch this. Before he made the world. That's before you and I were ever on the scene. Before you had a past. Before I had a past. Before all your mistakes. Before all your failures. Before all your shame. Before all the things that you think makes you unworthy for God to love you. He says this. Before the world ever existed. Before you were ever a thought in your parents' mind. You were on God's mind. And he says, I love you. I chose you. Look, he continues and he says this. I chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in your eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. God has adopted us into his own family by bringing us to who? Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. Like, like you weren't brought into God's family. It's like, oh, I really didn't want him. No, no. God wanted you. I don't know if you remember back in the, in, the, in the playground days when they had to pick teams. You ever been the last person picked? Yeah, I've been there. And you're like, man, they don't even want me. Well, I'm here today to tell you that you are first on God's team. Like he wanted you. He wanted to pick you. He chose you. And look at the last of this verse. And it gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure. Remember when your kids were born into this world? Hopefully it was great pleasure for you. Now, you're with your kids all the time. Now, I don't know if that's the same, but that's a whole other story. But you're in the family. And because of what Jesus has done for us, we're, we're in the family. So last month, I had the opportunity to go to Haiti on a missions trip with Pastor Jamie and a couple of other uh, people on this trip. And we got to be a part of an organization called Core Love, which adopts orphans that are there in Haiti. And we got to travel all around Haiti. So much of that country is impoverished. Got to hear stories of what God was doing there and even how a lot of these children came about. There's one story of a, of a family who the, child, the children were left in a home. It was burning and the mother left. 
and the kids are in the home. And so neighbor rushes in and grabs the kids and gets them out and saw this kid that nobody wanted. And here comes Korlov steps in and says, we want that kid. And there was dozens and dozens and dozens of kids that were rescued from homes where they had no parents, where nobody wanted them. What, what really blessed me though, there was a number of kids that had disabilities because in Haiti, they don't have the medical equipment and the medical to take care of kids with disabilities. But Korolev said, no, 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 we're, we're going to do something about this. We're going to make sure that these kids get a fighting chance. And so even when the kids go up to the hospitals, the hospitals now know to give Korolev a phone call because they'll take these kids. You see, there was nothing that these kids did on their own to be a part of the family. They were chosen. They were adopted. And the same is true with us. There's nothing good that I've done to be a part of God's family. God has chosen me. I couldn't get to him, but he came for me. Come on, how many know that's good news? There's, this is, salvation is not earned, it's received. It's a gift from God. Actually, this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, God saved you. You just need to hear that. God saved you. Not your good deeds, not going to church. You, there's nothing good enough that you can do that can save you. God has saved you by his grace. Come on, thank God for the unmerited favor of God, his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this because it is a, what? Everybody say that word. It is a, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Anybody in here like going to Chuck E. Cheese? Come on. Any kids watching right now, you are a Chuck E. Cheese fan. You like Chuck E. Cheese. Growing up, we didn't have Chuck E. Cheese. We had Showtime. Come on, anybody remember Showtime with the, with the gorilla and the mouse and all the animatronics and all the stuff? So you didn't go to those places for the pizza. That's definitely not what you went for. You went for the games. Come on, I, I still like going to Chuck E. Cheese for the games. I mean, come on, skee-ball. Come on, see what you can do. Whack-a-mole. But my boys game that they absolutely love is the one now if you've been there where the little dot rolls around it's a it's a light that just flashes around and you got one button and your whole thing is to make sure that you hit the button when the light goes right there and if you do it you get jackpot which is like over a thousand tickets i mean that that number keeps climbing and climbing and my boys have actually gotten it and i'm gonna tell you man we all celebrate we're high-fiving i mean all these tickets are pouring out I mean, it's craziness, it's madness. We got all these tickets that are pouring out. Now, I want you to imagine, we take all of these thousands of tickets and we bypass the ticket counter where they got the little $5, you know, gifts that I just paid $150 to buy. <laughs> and instead, we go and we get in our vehicle and I go drive to a dealership and I go find a really nice truck that I've always wanted. And the guy says, well, how are you going to pay for it? And I dump all these Chuck E. Cheese tickets. Bam, look, here you go. This is how I'm going to pay for it. 130,000 Chuck E. Cheese tickets. How many know they probably call in the police? They're probably going to put me in some kind of straight jacket. Um, can't pay for it that way. Why? Because outside of Chuck E. Cheese, those tickets, they don't, they don't mean anything. They have no value. The same is true on how we get into God's family. The same is true on how we get into heaven. There's not enough things you can do. Your good deeds, the, the, the things that you think that make you right with God, they don't. What, what it is, it's only the gift of God because of what Jesus has done.
Jesus is the only thing. I can't be good enough. I can't go to church enough. I can't, I can't, you know, not cuss enough. I can't give enough, help enough, serve enough, give enough money that'll make me right with God. And the truth is, if you could make yourself right with God, the Father making Jesus go to the cross, man, that is the most abusive form of child abuse. But God the Father knew that there was no solution to your sin and my sin. There was no way you could get a home. There's no way you can make it to heaven. There's no way you could have a relationship with God if Jesus didn't go to the cross. And that is the good news for you and I. See, a gift ceases to be a gift when you attempt to pay someone back. And so I wanna pray for those right now in this moment where you realize you have been trying to do good things. You've been trying to clean yourself up to get into the family. I just want you to know you have a home. God adopted you, he's called you, he's chosen you, he's loved you. He welcomed you into his home, his spiritual home, his kingdom, heaven, and his people. But, but there is something that God requires of us to do, and that is that we look to him and say, God, I confess that you are Lord of my life. God, I, I believe that what you did on the cross was enough, and I just receive, I receive it. Gifts are meant to be received. It's kind of like a, uh, a gift card. It doesn't matter how much money is on a gift card, it has no value until you go to use it. You've gotta receive the gift. And so today, if that's you, and you wanna receive that gift, it's as simple as ABC. We admit that we're sinners. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for us. And we believe more than anything that if we confess him as Lord and Savior of our life, that he will come and make us born again. We'll have a spiritual birthday, makes our spirit man come alive. If you wanna pray that with me right here where we are as we close out this service, I want you to pray this out loud right there. Make this as a declaration between you and God. Listen, no church can save you, no priest can save you, no pastor can save you, only Jesus and Jesus alone. I want you to say this with me today. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you faced hell for me so that I wouldn't have to go. And on the cross, you took my shame, my guilt, and my sin, and you died for it. Today, I turn from my sins to be born again. You rose again to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your father. Today, I confess you as Lord of my life to be born again. I repent for my sins and I turn to you. Jesus be my savior. God be my father. Holy Spirit be my helper. And heaven is now my home in Jesus name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer, we celebrate with you. The Bible says all of heaven celebrates with you today. That's the greatest decision that you can ever make. And I wanna encourage you to not stop there. I think just like anything, you need to go public. You need to let people know the decision that you made today. So one of your first steps is just to fill out a connect card. Let us know that you made that decision. We wanna connect with you today. We wanna help get resources in your hands and we wanna get you into God's spiritual family here at our church. We'd love to walk with you, get you connected. This is the beginning of a journey of walking with Jesus. Now, for those who, who do know Christ and those who do uh, follow him with all your heart, I need you to know today that God is still the way. He's the way out, he's the way through, and he's the way in. And because we serve the way maker, our responsibility is to make way for the way maker. 
This is what John the Baptist did. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus to show up. This is what the donkey was doing. The donkey was actually being used to, to usher in Jesus. All this week, as we lead into Passion Week and go to Easter Sunday, resurrection of our Savior, you get an opportunity to make a way for the Waymaker. By sharing your story, by sharing your testimony, I want to encourage you to, to share your story with us. Share your story with somebody. Text someone, encourage them. Invite them to be a part of our services. This is an opportunity for us unlike anything other. No greater time to invite people to experience the gospel than at Easter. And so I want to encourage you in this moment to, to make way for the way maker. This is our heartbeat. Hey, thank you today for being with us. I wanna pray for you as we close out our services. Before we do that, I wanna remind you though that we have a discussion guide that has been put together specifically for you to walk through this service and learn how to apply it to your life. Um, I know my family, over the last two weekends after we finished the service, uh, we pull out the discussion guide and we talk about it as a family with my boys. And so I'm gonna encourage you to do that or do it with your life group or call a friend, and walk with them through it. You can get it at oscconnect.com or our moderators right now will put the link on the, uh, on the YouTube or Facebook page for you. But I wanna encourage you to continue to stay connected with us. Uh, we love you. We're so encouraged by what God is doing in us and through us as a church. These are our best days. Hey, don't forget to share this service with anybody that you think could be encouraged by this. Tag them. Let them know what God is doing in your life. But let me pray a blessing over you. Father, we love you. God, today we pray a blessing over your people. God, I pray that you would be with them. I pray that you would cause your face to shine upon them. Lord, I pray that in their going in and their coming out, that they would understand how much you love them. God, that they would hear your voice and that you would use them mightily this week. Protect them, be with them in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, we love you. We can't wait to connect with you more. Don't forget tonight, 714, we continue Unite 714, praying together every night at 714. It's gonna be a great night. Hey, have a blessed day and we'll see you soon.